passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Those are twelve million dollar television trucks. Fire me! Fire me! I'll shut this whole show down. What's this do? If I smash this right now, will it shut all these monitors off in here? Huh? Huh? What about you? What is this? How do I shut this stuff off? Hola, muchachos. It is John Pollock and Wei Ting with you, and welcome to Rewind a Raw. I've never heard that one before. I was watching 205 Live way late, late on Friday night. Oh, that's the reference. Sorry. Now I get it. Oh, this clearly didn't register with you like it did with me. An all-time great TJP moment, and this was... this promo was the sole reason that i feel it'll be a hard show for me to completely give up because there's every so often there's a gem like that and i just watched it and i immediately regretted the fact that you and i did not get to fully enjoy this segment together tjp in his and with Callisto, no less in a segment together those two i know uh imagine the gold that would have taken place if it were live. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. It's going to take a, a bit for me to jump on that 205 train again. But uh, at this point, why not go the route of intentional bad comedy? I want a variety show built around TJP. That's what I want 205 Live to be. How about a movie? Sure. A whole film. <laughs> Could you imagine? What would you call it? how was your weekend um i think good yeah yeah i think this was the this was the longest stretch of you and i uh not seeing each other way since uh we launched this website over the last couple of days oh wow that sounds so sad it was uh well i you know what like the thing is my weekends just kind of all blend together now because um I don't even know what day of the week it is most of the time because I'm like I'm at home almost like every day, and um, without like going Ron SmackDown on my compass. That's pretty how much. I, I pretty much separate my days. Pretty much, but like without actually like you know going to an office, I I have real really no concept of like what time is anymore. Well, 
I'll tell you what time it is. It's Royal Rumble time because everyone is asking, Way, when will you guys be announcing the first ever post wrestling Royal Rumble pool? Well, strap on your life jackets and get ready to jump into the deep end of the pool, folks, because it's live with a button, no less, at postwrestling.com where you can go now and join the Royal Rumble pool. It is their way. Yeah, our Swedish-made button. This button took hours and millions to create, but it is there for you, the people. So <laughs> I love this. I, I could tell you to go to postwrestling.com forward slash rumble, but I don't even have to do that. It's there. Right on the website, its own button at the top of the page. Click on it, enter all of your picks. It's free, and you could be the winner of the post wrestling Royal Rumble pool featuring two Royal Rumbles this year. That means even more questions and more chances for you to prove that you are going to tread water in the Royal Rumble pool. We should clarify there's only one winner. To be had for the pool, but there will be two Royal Rumble winners, a male and a female. That's what you mean, right? Uh, true. Yes. Maybe we'll we wait. should make a male and female Rumble pool winner. No? What, what, what was it they were calling it? Uh, more Rumble than ever? That was the tagline they were using for this year's show? They were saying it all over the show last week, and I didn't hear it once tonight. I don't know. I don't know. I tune all that stuff. Now it's hashtag more rumble than ever. I think they okay. flipped their little slogan hashtag. Gotcha. But it's more rumble pool than ever, folks. So go now. You can. You don't have to join immediately. If you're smart, you'll probably wait until after television next week because those that enter the pool early sometimes get burned because certain people could fall out. Certain people could be added to the rumble. They might give something away on television. So, it is very true, but I would recommend people not to wait too long because the deadline for submission is Sunday, January the 28th, which is the night of the Royal Rumble, at 3 p.m. Eastern. 3 p.m. Eastern time, so get your picks locked in, and then on the Monday edition of Rewind to Raw, following the Rumble, we will announce the winner. Well, hopefully. Hopefully Chris Angler <laughs> is able to tabulate everything by then. It's I have, I have all the faith end. in the world in Chris Angler. Wow. He's... Uh, He's cleared his schedule. He's got his calculator out. He's got his uh, chalkboard with all his formulas. He's going to figure out right down to the last data point everything you wanted to know about the Royal Rumble pool. It's one of my highlights of the year, Way, when I get his Excel sheet. My favorite is the stupid answers that people send in that are either spelling incorrections like their own take on how to spell regular wrestlers' names. Mm -hmm. It's always great. Yes. Uh, I, I, I mean, um, I hope you don't make it too much of a hassle because I feel like he's, he's like, he's going to have to figure a lot of this out by hand. So, <laughs> Oh, that's right. We're doing a whole different system yeah, this year. Never I, mind. I, I don't I have feel any like expectations. It would, it would really screw him up if, if, if people just started to fuck around too much. <laughs> I totally but. forgot that we're using a different, uh, we're using Google this year. Yeah. So it may be different. So anyway, at the very least, folks, you'll have your win. <laughs> Unless you Chris really is, hate uh, Chris Angler, like then go well, nuts. <laughs> we love Chris. So that's what's, uh, that's up now, the Rumble Pool. Now this week at Post Wrestling, what a lineup way. This is, this is the Toronto Blue Jays 
1993 World Series run. That's the kind of lineup we have coming at you this week. So in the leadoff position, the Devon White of this week is here. Rewind to Raw. Then we've got Rewind to SmackDown in the Robbie Alomar position coming up second, followed by Joe Carter, a.k.a. the debut of British Wrestling Experience, the experience with Martin Bushby, Ollie Court, and Benno. That drops Thursday. Was he third? Was he third? Joe Carter. I thought it was him. Was it and, St- uh, Paul, Paul Molitor or Olerud? Mol- oh, you're right. It was wasn't Olerud fifth because because <laughs> Dave Winfield was in there too. Like this is a ridiculous lineup they have. Not in '93. In '93, you're right. Winfield was only '92, so never mind. I'm th- I'm thinking Carter was third in '92. Really, but- the, really, it should be a British player, but I don't I don't I don't think British people play baseball. No, no, we didn't have any British players um, mm. at all. Um, so anyway, departing from the Blue Jays uh, comparison, uh, that is coming up on Thursday, the debut of the British Wrestling Experience. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty good week right there, Way That's, that's enough to get you uh, through the White Sox in the ALCS. But no, oh. we're going after, oh. we're, we're going for, for the Phillies. We're taking out Kurt Schilling, Wild Thing. We're going for all of it, Way. Mm-hmm. Friday. It's a brand new show that is debuting. It is the first ever, as one person on the forum has dubbed it, the Fatal Four Way. No, we're not. Now, call, we're not calling calling it that, are, are we? Fatal Four Way. Listen, if if you're pushing through postmarks, then I might have my own name that I'm going to back. So this is our first ever roundtable show where myself and Way will be joined by Martin Bushby of the British Wrestling Experience and Brian Mann of Keep It 2000. The four of us, we are all going to be joined together to chat about topics that you can throw at us and submit on the forum, and that's coming out on Friday. Should be a very fun show. That's right. Uh, topic, a topic thread will be put up there for Post Wrestling Cafe patrons, and uh, any member of the Post Wrestling Cafe can throw out topics that we will choose from to discuss on this show uh in addition to that uh you mentioned british wrestling experience and you mentioned keep it 2000 both these shows will have their individual feeds on itunes stitcher google play etc etc if you go to postwrestling.com slash subscribe right now you will find links to uh, all the sources where you can subscribe to keep it 2000 british wrestling experience will probably be up on thursday when the episode debuts so uh, stay tuned to our social media, to everybody's social media, and to postwrestling.com for all that. But wait, there's more. Oh my God. Get on it's, with it. Guys, if this week, if there was a knock at the door and this week's shows answered and had to pee, easy suspension, 30 days. Oh we are packed this week because Saturday night, I am going to be back with a review of UFC 220 and Bellator 192. They are going head-to-head on Saturday night. One of the biggest heavyweight title fights in years from the UFC. As Stipe Miocic is fighting Francis Ngannou. Daniel Cormier, in between his feud online with the Young Bucks. He's going to find some time to defend his title against Volkan Ozdemir. And then over on Bellator, we've got Chael Sonnen against Quentin Jackson. And Douglas Lima versus Rory McDonald. Ooh. That'll be fun. 
I think what we're all experiencing right now is sort of um, John Pollock reaching his fully evolved optimal form. Like for months since the end of October, John has kind of had to operate in at, at 10%. Okay? 10%. Two shows a week. That's 10% of John. Now we're approaching maybe 80% Pollock. I, I, I hate to see what 100% looks like, but I think we'll see it probably around WrestleMania weekend. Or the G1, wow. actually. G1 will probably be 100% Pollock. Well, or at 80%. You know, you know what I feel like? I can tell you I'm not 100% because I feel like Hiroshi Tanahashi during the G1 because I told you way a couple of weeks ago about this blister I got on my finger. And over the weekend, I finally noticed it was healing. It was just about perfect. And then today hit, and I banged out 1,300 words about the career of Bill Goldberg, and then I finished my update, and my finger is just, it's a mess way. I rushed back, and this blister is just, it's giving me a lot of problems. Raw was really difficult tonight. I've had to alternate my typing. I've got to type with my, my like middle finger as a backup. You, you actually got a blister from typing? I'm not kidding, Way. I've got a blister on my index finger here. It is so red from you... the typing. I don't type properly. You've probably noticed yeah, this. I know. I, Actually, I don't do... that should be a post-production video, John Paul typing. That, that's, that's espresso tier only. Yeah, you play chopsticks on the keyboard. That's how you but type. I'm, but I'm very fast, and I don't think I can relearn. I'm, my wife, I, my, my wife said she would teach me how to properly type, and I said I just I can't be taught this late in the game. Well, you're very efficient. Like it's completely wrong technique, but like it's well, very fast. efficient. That's yeah. it. That's all that matters. Uh, you're kind of like, I guess you're kind of like Dominic Cruz. Like he's kind of got that awkward stance. That's kind of but like he, unconventional. He get, but... And he gets hurt all the time. Right. Yes. But it's very effective. So there you go, my my Dominic Cruz style. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, yeah, I I'm I'm working injured right now, but I'm working through it. Okay, cool. Thank before you. Before we before we start raw, I don't know if you've been aware, way, but there's been an insane amount of news over the past couple of days, mm-hmm. and I want to get your quick thoughts on some of these stories. Okay, Absolutely. we're not going to spend a lot of time on any one particular topic, but there was so much here. Okay, starting off with Paige's injury, which happened back on December the 27th, where she was kicked in the back by Sasha Banks. This was at the house show in Long Island. And then last week, uh, Mike Johnson reporting at PW Insider that the WWE will not be clearing Paige to return. And while that was not stated on Monday, she has been removed from the Royal Rumble. And it looks like her in-ring career at least in the WWE, is over. They d- they did actually make mention of it on commentary, but it was... Well, they, they cited a neck injury, but they didn't state the fact that she's not going to be wrestling ever yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really unfortunate. Really sad. Uh, I thought this this girl was on her way to, to making the comeback uh, of the year. And um, she was doing really great... Um, Showed great confidence, was leading a stable, and I thought was, uh, to me, she she is the best promo in the women's division uh, right now. 
And mm, I mean, that, that I guess kind of bodes well for her career post wrestling because she can uh, post wrestling. Yeah, I but, know. <laughs> because she can do, she can offer a lot more than just in ring. But I'm, I'm sure, you know, her dreams are to become. Mm, yeah, she's, are, are, she's are, 25 years old. Like, that's crazy she's, at 25. 25, but she's been wrestling for since she was 13. So, 12 this years. 12 yeah. year career. Um, but I'm sure she had a lot more dreams to accomplish. And, and it's always unfortunate when people can't, can't achieve their goals. You know, I talked about Paige's interview she did with Lillian Garcia. And going back to that interview, like, it is. Like, this doesn't completely come out of left field. I know that a lot of people are blaming Sasha for all of this, and That's it's certainly ridiculous. It's, it's a spot that certainly, I mean, to me, it was, I feel that Paige was like a ticking time bomb. Of course. She, like, she was stating to Lillian Garcia that she has limited rotation of her neck. Her doctor recommended she not come back to wrestling. And, no. I mean, this, I, she, I really she had her neck surgery. Like to me, it's it's unfortunate it happened in the way it did, but I, it, this was going to happen, no doubt, completely. I think Sasha should be completely uh, be left without blame here. I mean, this was to me that looked like a really traditional standard wrestling spot, and um, it's unfortunate that that happened. But I feel like that would have happened. Uh, if not then some other time in the in the near future if her neck w- was that brittle and delicate yeah it's you know to someone that is coming back from neck surgery like having that spot where you're getting nailed in that area from behind where you you can't anticipate it either i mean you can certainly look at the the questioning of that and i go back to uh, do you remember when shinjiro otani would hit those springboard missile drop kicks to the back of the neck Mm-hmm. including uh, with Chris Benoit. I don't think and, it's not supposed to be on the back of the neck. Uh, they were close to it, though. I mean, you watch some of those Otani ones, and he would clip guys, like, in the head. Like, they were just brutal. And I remember when I was younger just watching that spot and just being in awe, and now you look at them, and it's, uh, well, they're they're certainly limited when you're seeing those, especially to the back, to the to the neck area. But it's like if it's if it wasn't that drop kick, it would have been something else. I agree. I and, agree. And it just happened to be that one spot that I think finally, you know, uh, did did its ultimate damage. But if it wasn't that, it w- could have been a suplex, could have been a DDT, could have been a power bomb. Are you surprised WWE cleared her uh, in November when she had a doctor that was certainly concerned? Yeah, I mean, knowing how careful they are with some other people, uh, but I, I mean, I'm not a doctor, so I can't tell you what tests mm-hmm. they've done. She must have cleared them. Um, so, you know, I'm sure she begged and begged too, and I'm, I'm sure she's begging and begging now to, to be cleared. But um, I don't know what their testing is, uh, but I, I imagine it to be quite standardized and rigorous. Uh, some other notes coming out uh, today. They announced that for next week's 25th anniversary show of Raw, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler, they're going to be calling the portion from the Manhattan Center, and they're going to have footage from both the Manhattan Center and the Barclays Center next week uh, as, as well. well. As well as what? Well, I was going to say, as well, the big, the, big, the big news, in my opinion. Oh, about who's going to be on next week's show? Yeah. Chris Jericho. I was talking about the boogeyman. 
Oh, I thought you meant maybe the Brooklyn Brawler, who was also <laughs> added on Monday night. I was very surprised about Chris Jericho's yeah. addition. Not and not even so much that the WWE would want him. Certainly he's very hot right now. But this is the kind of thing that Jericho riding this wave right now to come on this show where he's, let's be honest, he's probably not going to be a featured guy on this show. He's just going to have a cameo of some sort. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm kind of surprised Jericho's doing it. It's unlike him to just be uh, coming back to be one of dozens of other people on this show. He's not going to be the biggest star on this show. Okay, but if you're Chris Jericho, you've just been granted the ability to wrestle for a rival company and to continue wrestling for a rival company. You're generating a lot of buzz on behalf of that rival company. To, to get a call from the WWE, from Vince McMahon, to come and do this show as a favor, he's in no position to say no. Imagine how that would look for him. Oh, I agree. I agree. I'm just, uh, you're right. It's it, probably... it, also it also tells me, like, this is kind of how unthreatened Vince and the WWE are of any type of success for, from, from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Here's how much we don't care about that, that show doing whatever, internet buzz, uh, drawing uh, 40,000 people. We don't care. We're going to bring this guy who main evented that show over to our show and basically ignore everything that happened. So, is it going to be comedy Chris Jericho next week? It's going to be the list. Yeah, it'll be a yeah. different Chris Jericho. Yes. Uh, so that was interesting. Um, who else did they 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 also announced? They announced a bunch of women that are going to be on the show next week. Jacqueline, Terry Runnels, uh, a very pregnant Maria Canellis will be on the show. Um, Michelle McCool. What history? Kelly, what Kelly. history does? She, oh, I guess Maria. Yeah, I forget. I forget that she was. On Raw. <laughs> yeah, she had a whole run before yeah. uh, this this recent return. Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned, the Brooklyn Brawler. Did you is say on the Lita? Show. No, they didn't announce Lita. Oh, I guess we'll see. There'll probably be some surprises too. There are so many people they have announced for this show. Are you surprised at all that Hulk Hogan is not was not called for this show? No, not because at all. I'm not shocked, but it also tells me they have minimal interest in bringing this guy back because this probably would have been the show to do it. You can't bring him back for a hall of fame. You can't really make him the focus of the video game. Um, he's not going to be a, a surprise in the rumble. Uh, he's not doing any kind of matches. Like if you're looking at the value of a Hulk Hogan return, this is kind of your best shot of maximizing mm. a return on an important show. Well, okay. For one thing, I, I, he doesn't really have that attachment to raw, you know, the guy, only came in after the Attitude Era was, or the Monday Night Wars were over. He was there for a bit in '93 to set up the uh, to set up WrestleMania Nine. But well, nobody was... associates Hulk Hogan with the legacy of Raw, right? I mean, no. you could justify it, but I, I also don't think Hogan would come back to be buried like for the same reasons you the concerns you had about Jericho. And and third, I still feel like public perception of Hulk Hogan is pretty negative right now. And I don't think the WWE would benefit from it. That, that either place, Manhattan Center, Barclays Center, they, they'd go nuts for him if he showed up on this. I agree, but I feel like, I don't know, I'm still not, not with it. Especially like with how I think readily um, people are willing to call out like 
um, negative, anything that could be construed as a, a negative public act, I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's a good PR move. Uh, what else did we have here? Um, uh, that's, oh yeah. The, the last thing here we'll, we'll bring up is, uh, the people that are reporting to NXT on Tuesday among the names, this is quite the class that is coming to full sale on Tuesday. We have the team of war machine, Ricochet and Candice LeRae. Mm-hmm. Awesome. What are, I like what are, all those what, names. I think I think most are, are very optimistic about these names uh, within NXT uh, for. I guess looking in your crystal ball in a 18 months from now, mm-hmm. which of those performers do you see? Being the furthest along, whether it be on the main roster. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think, all, to- I think all four people will do tremendously in NXT. The big question is, you know, how they will fare on the main roster. Um, and that remains the true test because these all four of them are already over in NXT. The moment that they'll they'll be announced, the crowd will love them. But, you know, it's about how well they can promo and how well they can sell their characters by the time they get up on, onto the main roster. And how well they can convince Vince McMahon that, hey, there's something in these guys besides, you know, 205 Live or just, you know, generic tag team. Uh, that'll be the challenge. And looking at it on the surface, I mean, to me, Ricochet could be the biggest star uh, of all of them and, and one of the biggest stars in the company. But do they know how to push a guy like that? You know, and, and will he be pigeonholed into into the cruiserweights? Cause, what if what yeah. if he is brought up to the main roster as the distant cousin of Seamus, his long lost cousin, Rick O'Shea? Um, if Jason Jordan could be Kurt Angle's son, then yeah, anything's possible. Could you imagine a a, a three man team of Cesaro, Ricochet, and Seamus together? That'd be fun. You got a good name for it? Um, the how can we utilize the bar? Um, I have I have no. Okay, thought. we'll have the. I I, the end I, of I put all my creative juices into <laughs> Rick O'Shea. But of of the three, who do I see most successful? Uh, I'm gonna say, um, War Machine. That's a safe pick amongst the four. It's the it's the at... safest one, but I mean, certainly yeah. Ricochet has the biggest potential. Well, I I think that this is certainly going to be a class that everyone looks back on and sees how these uh, performers are utilized and Ricochet at the top of that list mm-hmm. because there's no reason this guy should fail and he's leaving he's leaving an independent scene and he's leaving a tremendous position in New Japan. Um, I think this is. Very much a risk for him going to the WWE. I mean, there's a certain financial stability to it, um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of money on the table outside for someone of his level that is. any startup would want. That mm-hmm. New Japan had earmarked for a significant role in their junior heavyweight division, maybe more. Um, so the, going to the WWE is not without risk. It's it's very like true. That. It's very true. I think a lot of people in the WWE are are, are wanting to have Ricochet's position elsewhere, but I think like every wrestler wants to at least try, you know, I think every wrestler, I mean, wants to see if they can be the ones to, um, 
get through all the cut through all the bullshit of the WWE system and achieve great success like like an AJ or even a or, or a, I don't know John Cena you know so I'm sure he he wants to try and I'm sure the money will be pretty good too likely or unlikely Ricochet gets called up to 205 live um unlikely I'm going to say because like a guy, like look look at you know they've treated guys of similar size like a Finn Balor uh, as a heavyweight I feel like they've only called up a guy like Hideo because they didn't see that potential with him and I I I don't know if I disagree with them so but Ricochet I feel like will be more impressive all right. Well, that wraps up our, our look at the news. And Impact is running a pay-per-view. They have announced for Sunday, April 22nd. And it was listed at the tapings as Toronto, although we are not aware of the venue yet uh, for April 22nd. So that's coming out of a marathon of Impact tapings. And that takes us to Raw from Monday night in San Antonio, Texas at the AT&T Center. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. And this was at least the first two hours was the Braun Strowman show. Braun came out to start the show, and he started by telling a short story about a monster, a demon, and a machine. And the monster was the last man standing and won the universal title at the Rumble. I was dreading this being the week Braun Strowman had to cut an eight-minute WWE-style monologue. And thankfully, this was interrupted by Kurt Angle. Yeah. Braun- I, ne- I never want to see this guy go beyond a couple grunts and a few words strung together. Yeah. I never want to see complete sentences out of this man's mouth. Oh, yeah. Like, this whole episode was Braun playing Hulk, the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk. Um, and, and that's what I think he does best, and that's why we like him. We don't want to see him out here cutting these, uh, doing these opening monologues. And there's probably a reason why we haven't seen him do it at all uh, until a show like this. Braun tends to be an interrupter, you know? He's like he's like Kramer, but like uh, maybe like a more muscular, um, I guess, rampaging Kramer. Uh, he doesn't need to say too much. Yes, and like Kramer, sometimes when you say too much, you can get in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Very true. That's the, that's the other Hulk, actually. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. What a, what a tie-in there. Kurt Angle comes out with security and they recap the attack last week on Lesnar and Kane, neither of whom were on the show tonight. And Angle is most upset about the equipment that Braun destroyed and also has created an unsafe working environment. And Angle is responsible for all the employees. Well, he he, he did say you could have maimed them for life, but of course, the thousands of dollars in damage. (laughs) <laughs> that was, too was of a lot of concern too. But by the way, <laughs> I love how Kurt Angle now is suddenly concerned about people being maimed for life on the job. When I wanted to ask Kurt, where were you when Braun 
himself was thrown into the trash compactor. Oh yeah, you were in the match. <laughs> you were part of the group that was throwing him into the trash compactor. Well, I love that how now that he's suddenly concerned for for the well being and 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 attempted murder of of his roster. We're gonna detail all the involvement of Kurt Angle throughout this show, and I know most of the focus is on Braun, but this was as clear a direction of Kurt as just the like the comedic goof throughout this show. Did you like this Kurt I, Angle? I don't, because I don't think that's intentional. Like, cause I didn't read that, John. I, he I, came off so aloof in these segments. Like he was just the, the ridiculous facial expressions reacting to all of this. That, that's just bad acting. He's like a wild elephant. I mean, he was just so ridiculous on this show. And I think just by design, you think, you think they're, they're making him like a comedic figure. I think they're making him like an idiot. That's just lost control. I, I I don't know if that's intentional. Well, that's how he came across to me. Angle announces that Braun is fired, so he won't be in the match at the Royal Rumble, which was a quick uh, acceleration in uh, punishment here. And there were lots of boos as Strowman goes to leave. And then the announcers go through the matches for tonight, and we go to Braun backstage, and he tells the security to make me leave. They come back from a break and they're escorting him to the exit. And the one security guy says, you got to leave. And he just throws this guy into the metal door, throws another guy, beats all the security down, sent this one guy into orbit. Uh, another guy just flew across a table like it was ice. And he said he isn't leaving until everyone gets these hands. And the demolition by Braun Strowman began for the rest of the night. I love that uh, get these hands is his new catchphrase because like I I think it's I don't know if he's like somebody on the writing team or Braun himself has been watching too much World Star but I love that that character says that. Braun was in exceptional form on Monday night. Well they've really hit on like I think the appeal of the character, okay? Like, in the past, they would have had, hand, like, <laughs> no pun intended, hands like Braun, like, in terms of a, a giant-sized man that they would just squander, at, like, with, like, think of all the Heidenreichs and, and the Snitskys, you know? But with Braun, like, they've kind of diluted him to the thing that I think everybody loves about him, and that's just brute power, doing these crazy stunts and getting him to, to, you know, read out funny catchphrases at, at this point, that's not too corny. I think really is like smart and, 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 and good kind of, um, uh, promotion of him. I was watching, this is going to tie into Braun, but I was watching, uh, MLW's show over the, uh, on Sunday night, I was watching this and the end of the show features Santana Garrett who has been in previous shows been stalked by uh, this other female, Priscilla Kelly, who has this very uh, goth like demeanor and Santana's being interviewed. And then she walks into this room and it's this shrine that's been constructed with all these photos of Santana over the, over the wall. And then there's this computer monitor and it's flickering. And then a video starts running and Santana says, wait a minute, that's my house. 
and it's like a first person perspective of Priscilla entering her home and then going and filming Santana while she's sleeping. And Santana's just watching this in horror. And it ends with the camera reveal on Priscilla. And this video could have so easily been campy, but it was just, it was done like really effectively that it actually like created like this suspenseful end to this show that most wrestling cannot get to this, uh, this level. And Lucha Underground was able to play around with this a bit. At WWE, like a segment like that would probably fall on its face. But with Braun Strowman, they've been able to find a guy that they can go into this wild area mm. and people just love it. Oh, it's the Matt Hardy effect. And, and and that's, you know, sometimes like intentional camp, like some sometimes you can go part way and something will just feel campy unintentionally. But you in, when you intentionally go camp and you go over, even more over the top than I think what people are expecting, then it's fun. And it's like a wink to the audience that we we know the audience knows what you're doing. It's not as though um, we are trying to present you with something that we think is yeah. uh, of tremendous yeah. uh, quality for you. You're saying we know this is bullshit, uh, but let's, you know, let's have fun. Like, this is how ridiculous we can get. Just suspend. Like, we're not trying to convince you that this is real. We know this is fake. Let's go wild with it. And, and, and it's it offers like a lot more room for creativity. I'm not going to want my whole show re- wrestling show like this, but occasionally with a character like Braun or a broken Matt Hardy, yes, more than welcome. First match of the show is Sheamus and Cesaro against Apollo Cruz and Titus O'Neil with Dana Brooke in a rematch from last week. Cruz came in and there was a blind take by Sheamus and he landed a clothesline off the turnbuckle. They went through the break and uh, uh, Apollo got a chance here to I thought uh, shine for quite a bit here, more th- more so than he usually gets. He hit this moonsault to the floor and then immediately lands on his feet and just gets nailed by Cesaro. This was like uh, a repeat of, of last week's spot, I believe. Yeah, only now it was Sheamus going for the schoolboy and Titus kicked out, which was the, the opposite occurred last week. Then there was a high cross by Apollo. Cesaro kicks out allowing Apollo to immediately get to his feet and hit a standing moonsault. Sheamus made the save, and as Cesaro and Sheamus are going for the super white noise, Jason Jordan comes out to his music, and Sheamus, his head's exploding. What's this music? And it completely stops him in his tracks, and Sheamus is rolled up by Apollo, and Apollo wins via music. The thing is, like, like if this happened in the UFC... When, when like, two fighters are engaged in combat and, and, and they're just incredibly concentrated on fighting and defending themselves, if music were to be hit, that would be a, a, a credible distraction. You know, I could completely see that happening in a fight where music blared and one guy just lost his attention and the other guy just nails him and he goes of out course. cold. Yeah, it's believable. But the problem is they, they do it so often that it's like... It's just a cliche now. Um, anyway. Yeah. So the challengers lose again. And like the t- title challengers lose again. Like, why, I why are Cruz and Titus not part of this match? Maybe they will be inserted into the match. I mean, I feel like they have to be at this point. I mean, I know, you know, all the focus of the segment is on the bar losing and not necessarily Titus worldwide winning. But 
to have them lose two weeks in a row, I think it has to amount to a three-way, right? If not a four-way after after the uh, segment later on tonight. Yes. So Seth Rollins then came out and he was very uh, upset with Jason Jordan and his actions. And Jordan thought this was very funny. Like, so. wouldn't, wouldn't you be? Like, I think Seth has every right to be upset because Jason Jordan just probably turned this into a three-way. Uh, yeah, Seth, I don't know. On this show, it's just seemed that he was, uh, he plays like kind of like the big brother who wants to, uh, reign like, or who wants to kind of get his like wild kind of, I don't know, impulsive little brother to stop causing trouble. Yeah, this is like, uh. I don't know what the good comparison is. It just, uh, I don't know. It's, it's just kind of a, it's a relationship that didn't exist a month ago. And now we're, we're comparing them to being like this, these brothers. Well, like what, like what does Seth care if he came out here and distracted their opponents? Good. Let this, let this mess with their head. They just lost again here. And then we get to beat them at the rumble. Like who cares if Jordan gets involved here? Well, he represents him now. They're they're tag team champions. They represent each other. Well, I liked what they did later on. Uh, we go back to Braun. He kicks a door down looking for Kurt and tosses this chair into a television monitor and destroys Kurt's office. And he did this in the most efficient way possible. Like this, yeah. like this is a man that has destroyed an office in his day. And he did it oh, in yeah. record time. Yeah, like I, I kind of made some comparisons to like Snitsky and like uh, Heidenreich, but like let's give credit to Braun Strowman because I think as a performer, this guy, this guy's a hundred times the performer of the aforementioned too. He's fantastic at doing stuff like this. Like he's, I think, almost as good as Brock Lesnar in terms of his like physical, just like you can count on Brock to rip the car door off of a car and toss it into the and nearly kill a guy. <laughs> But that type of like kind of wild. For, for those that that maybe missed this or were not watching back then, there was an actual segment where Brock tore off a car door and then threw it towards the audience. And how there wasn't a fatality is one of the greatest miracles of the last decade for this company. They got very lucky. But um, but you know, it's just that type of like wild raw energy on live TV that. It, of a man doing like this incredible, incredible physical feat. I think Braun has that same, you know, charisma and yeah, he, he does great for with stuff like this. This is when a uh, raw ad aired for next week, promoting the Bella twins, Jacqueline, Terry Runnels, Kelly, Kelly, Tori Wilson, Maria Kanellis, and Michelle McCool, who will be on the show. The return of Kelly, Kelly way. So the fact that these names appear on Raw, do you think that excludes them from the Rumble? It's very uh, important for a Rumble pool. Um, uh, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Uh, the Bella Twins, I expect to be in the Rumble. I don't know M- about maybe... Bree. I don't even know. Is Nikki even cleared? Yeah, I think she so. She is. Yeah, she just took time off after WrestleMania. It wasn't okay. because she's got uh, a bad neck, too. Uh, she does as well. Yeah, you're right. Um, I expect the Bella Twins to be in the Rumble. I wouldn't expect anyone else here. But Bree's retired. How, how, how could she get a spot? 
Isn't I mean you're the total divas expert? Isn't so this whole season building to a comeback? Brie wants the comeback, but come on, you can't disrespect a retirement like that. Yeah, you can't. Um, <laughs> who's the Who's Michelle McCool's husband? Uh, I don't know. The guy who retired last year at WrestleMania. Oh, is she coming back? You think? Michelle McCool for the Rumble. Yeah, she she must be. She's still like in the system. Oh, no. See, this is this is weird because you're doing a million and one comebacks on Monday that it almost makes the surprises at the Rumble as you either have to really dig for some surprises or maybe you don't go crazy with the cameos at the Rumble this year because you're getting so many of them on Monday. You have to, though. Like, you have at least room for 11, like 10 or 11, right? With a lo- I guess a lot of them being NXT. Oh, NXT is going to fill up yeah. a lot of them. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, no Trish next week on the Raw 25th anniversary. So I think that is going to heighten expectation that she's going to be in the Rumble. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. she could be that that person who was on the phone with Kurt. Yeah, maybe Lita and too. Could be Lita too. Two people that are not advertised for next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we got some mixed match challenge videos for Tuesday night. And uh, it's going to be Shinsuke Nakamura and Natalia against Finn Balor and Sasha Banks. Can I tell you how great... I don't know how many of these you've seen, John, but they've shot like angles. Like you saw portions of them on Raw. But can I tell you how great the Natalia Shinsuke Nakamura video was? I I've seen. Uh, I saw the one of him in the old uh, Anvil jacket. Okay, that's the one. And then I saw the one of uh, Natalia doing Shinsuke's dance. Were these separate videos? Or no, were they're they all, the, they're the same one. It was all from the same one. Okay. So okay, so it's <laughs> this is a pairing that I just. Completely, I don't understand most of these pairings, okay? But they, this sold me because it was like Natalia and Shinsuke Nakamura, and Natalia's like, Shinsuke, I have a present for you. And she hands him Jim the Anvil Neidhart's Heart Foundation jacket. And this jacket, if you remember, it's black leather, it's got epaulets and pink on them. And Shinsuke Nakamura wears this. He looks amazing in this jacket. Like he looks, he looks like he. It's just a color swap version of of what he used to wear, and he like it's perfect for him to the point where like this this team makes perfect sense now. Like cosmetically, this is a perfect pairing. What was the cherry on the cake uh, on on the, on the on the top though was when they ended the segment saying meow. Oh God! Get it? <laughs> yes, it's it's it. great. It's I I think it's perfect. Well, maybe maybe they are the standout team so far. Yeah. So this is happening on Tuesday night, right after SmackDown. Uh, Way and I uh, are gonna find a way to watch this somehow. I'm. Is near... it on the network in Canada? It's airing on Thursday night on the network. Oh okay. Now for people in the UK. It's airing on the network, I believe, on Tuesday night. But for everyone else, I think it's Thursday night. So I am I am 99% sure that if you are in Canada, you cannot watch this on Facebook Watch. Um, but I'm sure people are going to find a way to watch this really one match. It's going to be a 20-minute show. It's not as though this is going to be a, a typical hour-long show or anything like that. Uh, so then we go and... This guy shows up in catering, treating this as though um, there's a natural disaster on the way, warning people that Braun is coming. And Braun shows up, and he chokeslams Kurt Hawkins through a table. 
And then in seriously one of the funniest bits I've seen in a WWE backstage segment, this man is standing still with a chocolate cake and he is just a statue standing still. And it's almost as though every every single person watching this is just waiting for this cake to get nailed in this guy's face. And you're waiting for it and you're waiting for it. And instead, Braun just takes a piece of the cake. He leaves and the guy stays there. And you're just waiting for this cake to get smashed into this guy's face. And it doesn't happen. And I thought for sure later in the night we were going to somehow see a brawl return to this catering area where the guy's still standing there and then, he, <laughs> and then he'd get caked. But we never saw him again. I hope he's there in catering next week. Oh, yeah. I thought this was the funniest thing. And I love the fact that they didn't nail him with the cake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this was again, this was a continuation of, of I think, um, a really great um, showing for Braun and the people that are crafting these segments because it's like, you know, action, action, action. It's kind of like what makes a lot of the Marvel movies successful, you know, a lot of action. And then you kind of break up the tension in the middle with a bit of comedy. And I thought this was a great example of that and very entertaining throughout. Enzo and Tony Nese came out and Enzo said he's doing better than Kurt Hawkins. He, too, is a monster among men and he's going to leave the Royal Rumble as the cruiserweight champion. He says he is Frankenstein, therefore Cedric Alexander is Dracula because he sucks. And says that if Cedric wants more muscles marinara, he has to get through his garlic. Tony freaking abs. Like those, I mean, there's no way the crowd will boo him when you say lines like that. You know? I'm Dracula, or uh, I'm I'm Frankenstein. He's Dracula because he sucks. It's funny. It's like there's no there's no way you can boo it. And what I'm trying to say is, uh, Cedric Alexander doesn't stand a chance. Like there's there's no what way. What are you this... talking about? There was just gold coming out of this guy. Yeah, well, literally. there was gold to his his <laughs> side here, but not coming out of his mouth. But this guy like has no chance of getting over, especially against the heel who's not a heel. Cedric is out. He brings out Goldust, who gets ten times the reaction Cedric does. Goldust says if Enzo was a film, he would go straight to DVD. And Cedric is a box office smash. And he has only one word. To describe Enzo after the Rumble, or sorry, to describe Cedric after the Rumble, that is champion. And Cedric ends it by saying, Enzo, from your eye to your ankle, there is only one word to describe you. And he spells out soft. (laughs) From his eye to his (laughs) ankle, meaning his forehead is rock hard. Oh, that was so lame. It was especially, first of all, it's lame because all you're doing is just taking the dude's catchphrase. You're not even making it your own. You're also like, Goldust just kind of did this, the shtick. He's kind of, he he did it before you did. And he did it better than you did. So, it's not clever. Uh, the guy's great in ring, but like he stands no chance at looking cooler than Enzo in this feud. So, I mean, I, I feel like whoever's writing this stuff for Braun should probably be put on the Enzo or put on the Cedric Alexander project as well, because I think he could use some better writing. 
Braun is shown throwing all these poles around in the back. And then he takes a dumpster and tries to run this referee over and he has to run for cover. And we just cut to this match that's already in progress. I would have much rather just kept a picture in picture with Braun patrolling the backstage area. Goldust mocked Enzo's dance on the floor. There's a springboard clothesline to Nice for a two count. Nice then hits him with a kick to the body, knee lift, and then gets caught with a spinning elbow. Pump handle gets countered, and Alexander wins with the lumbar check. 550. For a cruiserweight match, I mean, with these two, who I consider very good talents, I thought this was very boring, very vanilla. Crowd was ice cold. Cedric, I thought, had a lot of trouble getting the crowd into it. He has zero momentum heading into whatever cruiserweight match he has with Enzo. Yikes, um, don't, don't tell Corey Graves. That's yeah. the biggest attribute. But I mean, like for Enzo, you know, as ent- entertaining as he is, he's doing nothing to help any of the other people in the roster. Save for maybe Drew Gulak, but I, I feel like Gulak's kind of doing it himself. But like Tony Nese is not benefiting from it. Neither is Cedric. So maybe that's not even the intent. Maybe it's just to, you know, maybe it's all for Enzo. Who knows? Outside of Enzo, what would be your guess about the amount of uh, screen time any of the cruiserweights get on next Monday's Raw? What do you mean? Over, I mean, this show is packed next week. Oh. No, these cruiserweights are not even going to be seen next week. They'll do a, they'll do a match. Is, aren't they doing the, the Enzo-Cedric match next week? No, that's at the Rumble. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you'll definitely get something leading towards that. Kurt Angle is stunned at his office being destroyed, and he tells an official that Braun, he's like a wild elephant, as opposed to like a tame elephant, because those are those are fine. He says he they, has they to. They are. Call... There are people who go on elephant rides. Um, have you ever been on an elephant ride? I haven't, but I know people who have. I would never try that. In Thailand, it's like a tourist thing. Well, Kurt says he has to call the cops in order to bring in the SWAT team. And if I was the referee, I would have said, why don't you bypass the cops and just directly contact the SWAT team? The referee informs him that Braun is heading for the television production trucks. And then in an all-time great Kurt Angle line, oh God, they're worth $12 million. (laughs) The $12 million production trucks, which we were reminded of multiple times of their value. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he's not wrong. There was a SmackDown commercial. We're getting both semifinals for the U.S. title tournament on Tuesday night with Xavier Woods against Jinder Mahal and Mojo Raleigh against Bobby Roode. And then we come back, and there's a low-angle shot of Braun walking down the steps as he approaches the $12 million production trucks. Braun comes into the, into the truck, and he's asking what certain buttons do. And he wants to shut everything down. He didn't want to just tear cables apart. He wanted to have a safe shutdown. And he empties everyone from the truck. And we got a very rare shot of one Kevin Dunn, who nervously returned to his post. I I don't think that was Kevin Dunn. I'm pretty sure it was. I think that was Marty, the former camera guy, who I believe is, is now a director. I saw this one guy, and I could almost... I'm almost positive it was Kevin Dunn. We could have been looking at separate people, too. There were a ton of people here. Well, the the big Jack guy? No, no, I'm not talking about Kevin Dunn is not jacked. Okay. Um, So anyway, he returns to his post after they think Braun has left the truck. And they're slowly getting back to work when all of a sudden 
it starts shaking. And we cut to Braun, who is, quote, disengaging the tractor. And he goes to the side of the truck to tear tear off uh, part of the truck when Kurt shows up, threatening to call the cops. And then Kurt gets a phone call. Braun returns to tip over the truck. I momentarily passed out from a seizure from the cuts here way, which I know is a pet peeve of yours. I usually don't really have a big issue with all the cuts, but this was insane to the point that I went back and cut and counted the number of camera cuts within this, I would say 30 second sequence, 17 cuts, including an, including an overhead shot of all of this as Michael Cole is just freaking out. They didn't have that in on MLW. No, no, it wouldn't have. I, w- I wouldn't court, have made it court, the show. Court didn't call for camera 18. <laughs> Overhead shot. Yeah. This was, Kurt, quick, reaction of Kurt. <laughs> this was it's so ridiculous. ridiculous, dude. Yeah, way, they go way overboard. I mean, granted, they were just. Uh, I felt th- this one was beyond intentional. Like, no, but I think they just, they just wanted to wait. convey as much chaos as possible. Well, whoever was in the truck was just threatened with their lives, so you can maybe... Assume that they weren't uh, in their right state of mind. You're right. They were probably just like trying to grab on hold and they were just cutting incessantly to all these different camera angles, not by choice. But but it certainly is a problem when you show that much coverage. It's like, it, it's my same like argument back with the Shane AJ thing. Why was there a GoPro ready to perfectly capture uh, Shane or AJ throwing Shane through the, the, the window in the car? You know, like the believability is thrown out the window when you you're showing this much production. So and not to say this is believable anyway, but it it just it was too much and and unnecessary. There's there's the argument that they've reached such a level of unbelievability with this one character that it's almost laughable if you try and defend any kind of logic here. Like but this is not the that... type of unbelievable that you want. Like you want unbelievable like he's lifting a truck. But this just on top of everything just kind of makes it tough to watch. Like not nauseating. Well, and there's also to me a like a larger effect that once you take the audience to this level of just everything's bullshit. I think some of that does bleed into the rest of your program when you do want to do serious angles and it's all well and good to do stuff like this. This is entertaining stuff. But when you do a serious angle next time, it's I think it's harder to get serious stuff across once you've gone into this territory. And this is introduced in your show. That so is while true. this is entertaining, I think it does come yeah. as well at – there is a cost as well of what you are training your audience to accept and what they just – they laugh off as well, ridiculous. Well, John, can you imagine like watching this and then the next week – Chris Jericho doing that press conference with Kenny Omega. It, the the press conference would have no chance. Like it it wouldn't work in this world where you're seeing guys tip over a, a truck. Yet like we all talk about that press conference like it was like the best thing ever because it it felt far more believable. But they're just like they're different and I don't know, you can argue which one is better, but yeah, they once you do tipping over a truck you can't really go back to like attacking each other at press conferences. So Braun then returned to the arena and somehow this was all on the air and we were able to cut to the, the camera 
in the arena after this truck had just been tipped over. No, they t- he tipped the front of the truck. He t- tipped the the actual trailer. Or no, not the trailer, but the, the front of it. So the production truck was left untouched. Yeah, that's they, why he unhitched they... it. All right. Well, then these are true professionals I don't that know can continue why he... under this kind of stress. I don't know why. Like, here's the other thing. I don't know why Strowman like, went all the way into the car, into the, the trailer, only to not do anything. He threw a chair. Well, he should have like smashed the the control the 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 board the switchboard and and like would have been would have been great if he played with the Chiron and all these like random graphics just started popping up, or like if he just started playing other people's songs. Well, we we still got WrestleMania season for all this uh, hijinks. Braun comes over to the announcer's desk and he lifts up Michael Cole by his belt, and <laughs> this was just comical how he ragdolled this individual. And Kurt says that he has called off the cops. He spoke to Stephanie, who has unfired Braun, and he's back in the title match. Just let Michael Cole go. And Michael Cole is on his knees. Braun then takes Michael Cole and throws him off the stage where he is caught by all of the security guards. And we get a close-up of Kurt, who is in full-out panic as we go to a commercial break. And Michael Cole is dead. I mean, it looked really safe. You know, it he, looked incredibly safe. He basically this... did a stage dive. I think Michael Cole, come on, you could have like. I thought the a... exact same thing. Yeah, you could have gone through a table or something. Come on, Michael Cole. Anyway, it was fun. Uh, and the moral of the story is: How do you get away with attempted murder? You attempt more murder, and you will get Assault. your job back. Yes. Uh, vandalism, attempted murder. Uh, kidnapping, these are all elements that can be job security for you and be rewarded too with a championship shot. But I, I can't really complain about all this. It was, this is all I want from Braun Strowman. I just want like ridiculous, cartoonish, big budget stunts and, and this more than delivered. So can you see a thread that ties in this major angle beyond just getting him back into the title match that here this guy has tried to destroy this company destroy its assets and that Braun has proven to be bad for business. And this leads to Triple H showing up at the Rumble, costing Braun the match, and that's our WrestleMania program. Yeah. Yeah, that I think that that actually plays itself out pretty well. Stephanie um, was ready to have this guy fired when Hunter mm-hmm. said, No, get him in the match. I've got a plan, Stephanie. Call that imbecile Kurt. I think that's that's a great way to lead into that match. But they do need something obviously bigger than you know simp- simply Triple H coming out and pedigreeing him cuz that won't work. That's that's way worse than a garbage compactor. Yeah. It's the like, pedigree way. What's he what what if if that is a plan like what can they do, you know? Do they have like Scott Hall come out with the taser or like I don't know. You're forget you're forgetting a very big angle way at the 2000 Survivor Series when Triple H was lifted 40 feet in the air in a car mm-hmm. and dropped and came back three weeks later without a scratch on him. So this is the unbreakable feud You're between right. Braun and Hunter. They are not mere mortals. And they're gonna show they're they're gonna have their fight at the showcase of the immortals. Well, I can't wait to see that. Maybe they're gonna morph into 
like Megatrons or something at WrestleMania. You mean transform? Transform? Yeah, you don't morph. If transformers oh, don't morph, I, okay? I'm combining uh, whatever the fuck Power the Power Rangers. Rangers did with Transformers. Yeah, I, I never was a fan of either. Wait, they don't even transform. What do they do? Autobots, um, Decepticons. Oh, fuck. Trust uh, me, no one cares. Everybody cares, dude. Everybody's shouting right now. I know. God. At at John Pollock on fact, Twitter. Fact check us. Fact check us, please. Uh, then another raw ad aired. This included some additions to the names, the big ones being Chris Jericho and Eric Bischoff, who will be on Raw next week. Tom Phillips, who just happened to be backstage, replaces Michael Cole. So we've got the, the voice of SmackDown replacing the voice of Raw, because we're all one big family. Nia Jackson Oscar <clears throat> took place next, and Oscar went for an arm bar early. Jax just threw her off, and Booker is trying to describe what Asuka was just doing and said, I don't know what you call it, spider move. And then uh, Asuka continues going for this arm bar, nails her with kicks to the chest, misses a head kick, and then is powerbombed by Jax, who is frustrated that she can't beat Asuka. Booker says that Asuka's undefeated streak is no fluke. So Corey says, well, why are you picking Nia to win then? Booker says, I'm just giving Asuka her props. Then there was a knee bar applied by Asuka. Jax got to the ropes, and then they go to the floor where Jax is standing on the steps, and Asuka kicks her in the calf, which Nia then falls down on the steps, injures her leg to the point that she is selling by looking like she is about to cry as her leg gives out in the ring, and she can't put any weight on it, and the match is called off, and Asuka is declared the winner. And I thought this was a pretty good match between these two. I did too. I thought it was probably Asuka's most compelling match since she's been up on the roster. Um, And I feel like a large part of it is because of the dynamic between the two. And my main complaint about this match, it's that this was the biggest match you could have made for Asuka and Nia Jax on Raw. And you're doing it here with little to no build. I feel like they really could have built this up as like the big question of whether Asuka's streak would finally end because Nia, really, of anybody on the rod roster, is the, poses the only credible threat. It felt like that was not part of any build or any conversation until the middle of this match when the announcers started to finally mention, oh, the streak could be over. The streak could be over. Meanwhile, like all the near falls could have been that much better and I think the whole match itself could have been that much better if it was at a pay-per-view, if it was if it was at at, at a bigger bigger time. Um, but that said, I thought the match was good. You know, it told it told a, a good story. Constantly, Asuka constantly outstarting outsmarting Nia using submissions. Um, I thought Nia's selling of the leg, the leg was okay, but when she tried to stand and tripped, that looked awful. Um, but the rest of the match, I thought it was good. I'll go one further. I would say halfway through this match, where I think that they really had something here. I mean, granted, we don't know what the plans are for Asuka. And if she's winning the Rumble, they obviously have big plans for her. But watching this, I completely agree with you. And I was thinking, this you could do this match at WrestleMania. Had you had these mm-hmm. two as the unbeatable forces finally colliding certainly on a bigger platform than Raw, which Mm -hmm. 
Granted, we didn't get a real finish here, but nonetheless, this was the first meeting between these two. The monster on Raw against the undefeated Asuka. And yeah, midway through this match, I had the same thought that this should be on a way bigger stage and built up for so much longer. I could totally have seen them building this to WrestleMania between these two. Completely. So now, now I'm left thinking, like, maybe they have a good reason for doing this match now. Maybe they needed to either give Nia an excuse not to win the Rumble, or maybe, I don't know, they have plans for Asuka that'll take her off a of Raw and these two won't be together for a long, long time. I don't know. But I thought the booking of it coming out, out of tonight for this was really confusing because Nia is baby-faced coming out of this. So... Like with you know being being the person injured and not wanting to necessarily quit, but having to quit because she couldn't continue. So I don't know. It could just all be a backdrop for the Enzo storyline, which I think would be a waste <laughs> of this match. Oh, and Enzo's the heel who ends up hooking up with Oscar. No, Enzo causes the streak to end. Oh wow! Wow. Well. No. I don't think and, the, and then they can have uh, Enzo versus Asuka. Yes. Alexa Bliss is checking on Nia. And then we go backstage. Kurt is uh, checking out the remains of his office when Jason Jordan enters. And he thanks Kurt for believing in him. Angle is profusely sweating through this T-shirt under his blazer. Jordan says that Kurt might not have noticed, but he's been behind him all night. Kurt said, I didn't notice. And... Jordan says, I would have attacked Braun if he put his hands on you, which was a great line. And he thinks that Seth needs a match tonight to get over last week's loss and suggests that Seth face Finn Balor. And Kurt agrees to this. Totally played here by the politician, Jason Jordan. He's stressed. Then we had a video on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, and then Nia Jax is in the back being checked on with Alexa Bliss icing her ankle, and Bliss apologizes for getting Nia into this because it was her idea for the two to have the match. And she casually says, I thought you would have destroyed Asuka, but I guess I was wrong. Enzo then comes to check on Nia. Bliss says she's got this, and Enzo says, no, I've got this. And Nia told Alexa to politely get lost. And Enzo felt awful that Nia has been injured here. Yeah, we'll get more of this. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of enjoying these two on screen together. Um, hopefully not at the expense of Asuka, though. Yeah, I don't want to see Asuka involved in any of this, yeah. but I agree. I think Enzo and Naya, they have a lot of the same appeal that uh, Chris Jericho and Trish Stratus had when they were doing their, mm -hmm. like, the long tease of the two getting together. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately... It ended up being Trish turning on Chris at the end of all of it. Mm -hmm. Then we had several plugs on the show where you can win a trip to go to Universal Resorts in Florida with the Usos and Naomi. Oh, maybe you can catch an impact taping. Well, you, you just missed out on, on six straight nights of it. Yeah. They taped 12 episodes in six oh. nights. Do 12. What was the most they that they've done before? I Was think it 12. Six? Yeah. Oh, they, no, they've done crazy amounts um, over the last few. Yeah. Well, you know, like, it's not just 12 because they'll be filming extra content elsewhere. 
They're doing they're doing explosion matches. They're also now doing exclusive matches for the app. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I don't know if now is the time that we should be doing more. But well, I guess you got, you got to put something on the app. Yeah, I mean you have a lot of they have a lot of um I guess venues where they generate income and they need to satisfy all all of those things. Well, they just wrapped up that. Um so after are you going to submit your chance to go to Universal Resorts with the Usos and Naomi? Your um, most improved tandem of the year? You know, I think it would be fun actually hanging out with those them. They like uh what is it? Uh, Naomi Trinity and uh John, they are like the best couple on Total Divas. Like they're the only couple that like I feel like are <laughs> Are actually good people. <laughs> no, that's not true. Like I think Bree and Brian are pretty great too. But like they're like the but these two are like the most fun to watch. Like they have such a great chemistry with each other. They just like genuinely kind of feel like best friends, and I have no doubt it would be fun to hang out with them at Universal. The revival took on Aaron Solo, who maybe one day will be on Total Divas with Bailey. Okay, I don't and- even know how you knew this because like they didn't mention their names once. Um, well, I, I knew the guy was Aaron Solo. I did have to look up the other guy, Ricky Starks, less known. And I don't believe, uh, having a relationship with any of the, the females, uh, Scott Dawson hit, uh, Starks with a gourd buster and then just slapped the hell out of Solo on the apron and then ran the other guy into Solo and they hit the shatter machine for the win in a minute 39, uh, fine squash mash. Match The Revival always put together fun squash matches. But then it was the promo afterwards. Charlie is in the ring. And Dawson says that was tag team excellence. And that's been missing here. Too many guys are worried about going to the back to play video games or gaining likes on Instagram. They are students of this game where they only care about punishing opponents and mastering holds. So Charlie then asks what legends they're looking forward to meeting next week. The New Age Outlaws, Shawn Michaels, Steve Austin, who got by far the biggest reaction. And Dash says, there is nothing old school about beer baths and crotch chops. They are the reason why our business has become a mockery. I would argue that they should have way more issue with Braun Strowman than they do with these guys. They explain they aren't sports entertainers. They're pro wrestlers. They're not a creation of the WWE boardroom. And they don't want us to succeed here. And we won't let them change us. This is our universe. And they are the team that's going to set the tone for the next 25 years. And this was a great promo. Yeah, I think Scott Dawson in particular just sounds great. He's got He's a good, excellent. Yeah, great voice. Uh, great confidence. Um, yeah, right out of the gate, I would put him up over much of the roster right now. But this seems to set them up for to get beat beat up by like legends next week. I know. I thought the same thing after this, which they did to the Ascension. The last time they had the NWO on one of those old school Raws or something like that. That's what this felt like, way. Mm-hmm. It felt like next week the legends are going to kill these guys. It's the Outlaws, it's going to be Sean, Superkick and then Stunner. God, I hope not. But what would be great is if they 
they took out the outlaws or something, and that could at least lead to a TV match or something like that. But I don't think that's going to happen. Do you think Billy Gunn will wrestle again? Oh, that's a good question. In a WWE ring, I think if they had a really good idea for something, like they really want to get behind the revival and do a, a mini program, yes. Hmm. I mean, it's not like this guy was uh, a health risk. It was he failed an outside drug test, and they were more just upset at the fact that this guy embarrassed them. So, I mean, he's he's up there in age, but you know, doesn't have a a history of you know awful injuries. So if they had a good idea, I don't think they'd really stop Billy Gunn from wrestling. Elias is debuting a new song. First off, he hopes Michael Cole is okay. And he sang a song about John Cena, and he's got retribution for what Cena did on Christmas Day, and he's going to eliminate him in the Royal Rumble. So they have taken Samoa Joe's angle and just placed it upon Elias's lap for the rumble. That's what this felt like. It was yeah. just a transfer of one to the other with Joe Hurt. Well, they did have, you know, the connection with Cena attacking Elias, uh, but they they probably were going to drop that until now. Uh, and, you know... There, there was nothing said about Joe on this show, correct? Yeah, I completely forgot about him until you mentioned. So, yeah, I guess... Sorry, Samoa Joe. Yeah, for those unaware, he felt this pop underneath his foot last week after his match with... Rhino, I think it was. And so the injury he has, I think it's like a similar injury to um, to the aforementioned Dominic Cruz that he had in his foot as well, where it's like a plantar. I can't remember the name, the pronunciation of it. But anyway, it's an injury that can be anywhere from like two to up to 12 weeks for a full recovery. So mania. Not a fun timetable if you're a guy that's looking to be ready oh. for WrestleMania and all that stuff. So hopefully it's a quick recovery. Um, oh, it's... if he misses Mania, I mean, like, the man will have been in the company now for, what, like three years? I can't imagine this injury would keep him out of Mania. It just seems like one that even if he's not 100% could get through Mania. But it's also doing all the television mm-hmm. ahead of time, how cautious they are. I mean, it's a foot injury. It's not as though this guy suffered a stinger or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I would say the rumble is probably tough to imagine, but I would think that, you know, after a couple of weeks, he should be okay. But he is off all the house shows for now. It also means that I don't I don't know what this means for the Cena program because Cena's taken up at, for Mania. Um, and who knows? I, I got the feeling him and Joe is just going to be that, that February pay-per-view and, well, and sure. might, be out, might be out the window. Yeah, exactly. And, like, what happens if Joe can't make it before then? And is Cena going to be around after Mania? How often is he going to be around? We don't know. But that Joe Cena program was something I think everybody was looking forward to. So it'd be a real shame if that doesn't happen. Yeah, and just when Joe was at the hottest he's been. I, I think mean, he it's... should stay on TV if he can, because like, the man is just a tremendous talker. And like just to even keep a presence up, up, up on TV, I, I feel like would be very beneficial for him. I just don't know where you can put him. Like just Commentary. Unfortunately, you've got three guys there because Google five live. Oh no, please, please. That's just kryptonite. Anyway, Elias goes to sing his song, introduce. Oh, he, he uh, insulted the San Antonio Spurs and this got the most heat of anything on the show. I, I really like, I'm starting to like really admire Elias's pacing week to week. I think he's, he's really very comfortable in the spot. Oh, yeah. And- just working these people. He's really perfected it. Like this very slow controlled delivery where 
he just like waits. He waits and waits and then like hits hits him with like escalating insult. And this Spurs insult just kind of came at out of nowhere and it just developed nuclear heat. He gets them every week, so it's you know and admittedly I feel like they've they've um well or I feel like they're they've admitted that his strength is certainly this and not the wrestling because he hasn't wrestled in a in a couple yeah. weeks. He's has only, he wrestled since the Cena match? I don't know. But like I don't think he has. All he's doing not now a, not on TV. He's coming out, he's playing the song and he's introducing the Miz to Raj, which I think everybody's grateful for. So Miz, Dallas, and Axel are there in the ring after the break. And Miz said something was missing on Raw when he was gone. The spark that was missing was him, not John Cena. He goes over his attack on Roman Reigns, plugs his reality show, and says he's going to deliver a moment next week that people will talk about for the next 25 years and take the title back from Roman Reigns. That led to our handicap match with Roman Reigns against Dallas and Axel. And they got Reigns to the floor, threw him into the steps for the heat, and then just beat down on Reigns until he fought back, hit a Samoan drop, knocked Dallas off the apron, and then threw Dallas into da- sorry, threw Axel into Dallas and then hit a running boot, forcing Dallas to DDT Axel. Called for the Superman punch. Miz got on the apron. He sent Dallas to the floor. Axel was able to get a schoolboy after Miz distracted, but Reigns kicked out, speared Axel, got the win, and Miz was furious afterwards. Shorter match by typical Roman Reigns standards. They went about eight minutes or so. Pretty standard match. Nothing very memorable. Um, crowd was very vocal for Reigns. Uh, maybe the most vocal they've been for any match up until this point. Kind uh, of a kind of a smaller role for Roman on this show overall. For a show where you didn't have Brock, you didn't have Cena, you didn't even have Samoa Joe. Mm-hmm. Reigns was kind of just a supporting character on this show. It's kind of what the IC title is, though. Which probably means that it's not necessarily doing anything beneficial being on Roman Reigns. Then we got another Raw anniversary ad in the big addition that Steve Lombardi, the Brooklyn Brawler, will be in Brooklyn next week. Sasha Banks versus Sonya Deville. Uh, We had Deville. Paige came out. Paige came out. And listen, if you were to just read someone's face, this woman was a total pro out there. I couldn't, you couldn't tell anything was wrong. She came out in her ring gear. I thought she was going to make a run in or something. Nothing. She was just, uh, you know, it was, it's tough. It's if you address the story, she's a baby face and they obviously want her in this role. And I don't know how they're really going to handle this. Maybe they're just never, they're not going to do that big, you know, Daniel Bryan moment with Paige. Maybe eventually they will, but maybe it's just going to be a quiet exit from in ring and page is going to be the the consultant for absolution and lead them well do you feel like they that maybe they're still or she's still hoping for a second opinion or something because they really they didn't mention anything concrete here not even on commentary uh they just said she has a neck injury which will prevent her from being in the rumble so do we know that this is a final decision the thing is if if the WWE has made that decision, I mean, Daniel Bryan's a perfect example. He's gotten numerous outside opinions who have all said he's fine to go. And it's one person's decision that has prevented him from coming back. And that's the WWE's doctor. Mm-hmm. So if the WWE medical staff has determined that we're not clearing her, 
she can go out and get all the opinions in the world. And I don't know. I mean, she already has her one doctor who all her personal doctor who said, I don't think you should be coming back. So mm-hmm. that was, that was before the injury. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know if you're necessarily going to get any contradictory opinions to this. Mm. So this match began, this was Booker at its finest in this match. Sonya takes the back of Sasha and Booker says that we haven't seen anyone since Ken Shamrock come from MMA into WWE with this type of background. And it took all of a nanosecond for Corey to say, uh, knock, knock, who's at the door? This guy, Brock Lesnar. And (laughs) this also came on the heels of Booker noting that Sasha two-way has some MMA in her game with the bank statement. Remember when Chuck Liddell uh, won the light heavyweight title with that bank statement? You kid, but a dude won an MMA fight with the Boston Crab. So I I don't know. Who knows? Who knows if some indie show, some local MMA show had somebody using a bank statement to win? I want to see. I guess if I ever see a, like a lung blower in an MMA fight, that would be something. Uh, Yeah. But that, yeah. I, I I thought it was great. Of I mean, I'm usually kind of like a little critical of Corey for going a little too far with the Booker teasing, but this this scenario it was very much warranted. Did you just call it the Booker teasing? <laughs> yes, I did. That's that's what we're gonna refer <laughs> the to. Booker this teasing. Oh, great. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure if you did that on purpose. No, or I, not. <laughs> I totally did not. The Booker teasing. That's great. Sasha hit the running knees into the corner twice. And then jumped off the second turnbuckle and was kicked in the ribs. And this was the finish. So when you just pinned her. Do you, read, do you read anything into this? Sasha Banks doesn't just lose to, like, the third member of Absolution for nothing. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't read it as that. I just looked at it as they're kind of putting everything behind Sonya at the moment, especially now with Paige out of the picture. I think they do want this group to be over and they're mm-hmm. going to put their focus on, on Sonya what, who just more, beat more Bailey so that, last week. Right. Uh, it was, wasn't it? No, they lost. Mandy Rose got pinned, right? Oh, that's right. They did the tag match where they took the entire match and then I just mean, lost at the end. To me, uh, if, if, to me, if it was anybody who would be number, number two, it'd, it'd be Mandy Rose. I don't know. Or this is just their typical, you win one week, then we win the other week. Hmm. I don't know. I didn't read a whole lot into the, this particular finish being necessarily indicative. Uh, so they did mention here the fact that Paige won't be in the Royal Rumble citing a neck injury. And that's about the extent of what they've stated. Um, there was a video of WWE talent last week in Memphis uh, going to visit the National Civil Rights Museum. And Seth Rollins was in the locker room. Jason Jordan entered. Rollins wants to talk with little bro Jason and said he's not upset about what Jordan did in terms of getting him the match with Balor. It's how he went about it. He says that I'm your teammate. And that was it. Seth mm-hmm. was just annoyed with little brother. Matt Hardy versus an orange was next played by Heath Slater. This was among the worst uh, fake tanners 
debacles I've ever seen on a, a man. Like I was just transfixed. Yeah. It stopped at a certain point on his chest. It was like he had dunked his upper body into a vat of orange tanner and came out yeah. looking like this as though he's a, a member of like the orangutan tribe or something. He looked horrible. He looked like a an Instagram filter on a hundred percent. My God, like I thought maybe the production truck is still reeling and they uh, white balance this guy too heavy or something. I, he looked crazy. <laughs> Rhino was on the floor. Hardy bit his hand at one point, which God knows what was in his skin. Uh, the audience was totally out of this match. Mm. Matt went for a German suplex, sending Heath into the turnbuckle. Hit a side effect for a two count, did the delete chance, and then hit what was called this week the twist of fate. So it looks like Control-Alt-Delete was uh, not the rechristened name. Oh, so is, uh, no mention of Delita. So much, Nothing. So much money left on the table. Yeah. Uh, they, did, felt- they, did, they did give him the Titantron this week, though. They gave him a Titantron. There was yeah. nothing with Bray on the show. Yeah. Um, this this felt like a character that was just lost on this show. Like it just this felt like a undercard character going nowhere. Yeah, and judging by this crowd reaction, I mean, he's certainly getting less and less over every week. Um it's you know, the character's been reduced to to a laugh and an arm slash. And uh, I I wonder what the holdup is. There must be some legal thing. You think? Like I don't think so. Not it's now. Final. I know. I know. And like, if you uh, on Matt Hardy's YouTube channel, he did post a video with Vanguard returning. So, which I think was actually a detriment because I saw that and I thought, okay, they're really kicking things into gear now. Mm-hmm. And you tune in here. What a what a let. Like it just seems it's. It's two completely different things. Matt's doing his stuff on his own, yeah. but that has nothing to do with the on-screen presentation of this character. Exactly. You've got nothing on this representation of Matt Hardy, like, this week. You got nothing. You had you had a match, like, just a, a, a whatever match. Nothing with Bray. No uh, development in that storyline. Like, it's been a month now that they've had Woken Matt Hardy, and there's been... Not no character development whatsoever, no storyline development whatsoever beyond laughing. Um, we should mention also the, the WWE.com poll for the match oh, time. I, I'm not aware of this. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I believe WWE.com released a poll asking fans to uh, asking fans. Let me pull it up exactly so I don't misquote it. Here, uh, it's actually on our forums. Uh, so WW.com has a poll asking fans what match type they would like to see between Bray and Woke and Matt Hardy. And at the time of this posting, it looked like House of Horrors was the leading choice. I'm not surprised. Well, amongst the other ones, it's like Inferno Match, Casket Match, Last Man Standing, I Quit. And the arena, like these are all kind of boring. The only kind of name value one is the House of Horrors, and they want a train wreck. And I feel like if 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 you're gonna do that match, it has to be the only chance of that succeeding is with a character like Woken Matt Hardy. And whether or not they'll do it, I don't know, because um, .dot com is almost like kind of an independent 
thing. Um, but the, the, they need something. You know, at this point, I, I welcome a House of Horrors if it means adding some wrinkles to this Matt Hardy character. Then there was the Hall of Fame announcement with Bill Goldberg headlining this year's class. This coincides with tickets going on sale this Friday for the Hall of Fame. Uh, video package aired highlights of his WCW run, both WWE stints. And then we had all the different mainstream outlets that covered his introduction or his induction announcement. Nothing way. Nothing for my – I gave my finger to this career retrospective of Bill Goldberg and nothing here. Mm. Which I don't I don't want to say this definitively, but for whatever reason, the last one that came up, it was Yahoo Entertainment. And I was bored at this point during Raw. So I decided to just hit pause and see what did they write on Yahoo Entertainment. And I spent like eight minutes going specifically to Yahoo, then to Yahoo Entertainment. And I scrolled through every story on the Yahoo Entertainment site. I also went to their Twitter and went through all of them. There was nothing, nothing covering Bill Goldberg's Hall of Fame announcement. The last thing they had was an interview with him, I think, prior to the Survivor Series against Brock Lesnar. So I won't say this 100%, but if someone can find this article, I don't know if Yahoo Entertainment actually did a story on this. Have to ask Marcus. Well, I thought maybe Marcus was the one who wrote this. Because uh, I went to Marcus's Twitter too. Because I, I was like, if anyone's going to write something, it would be Marcus. I see something on, on Yahoo Finance. About Goldberg going into the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Well, then there you go. And then, yeah. <laughs> I, just go <laughs> I just Googled. Uh, well, that, that was record time. I swear it's a Yahoo Entertainment on the, on oh. the screen though. And not Yahoo Finance. Right. Now I've got to see this. I'll send it to you. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I thought we were a team here. <laughs> Sorry. Well, we're then, on the team of truth, okay? Apparently on, on The Bachelor on Monday night, there was some tie-in with Glow. That's, really? a, the main, that's the main page of uh, Yahoo Entertainment. But I, I'm not going to go what? through all of this. Yeah, look, I'm looking at this. Uh, Bachelor and Glow, the the no, the Netflix Netflix show. Yes, um, the original Glow. Oh, yeah, it's got a. Oh Little yeah! E wow, Little Egypt is here. She was on the show. She's on the season of The Bachelor. Is she a contestant or is she just doing some cameo for this? No, they binge watched. Oh wait, shit! Yeah, there no, are they're... glow professional wrestlers on it. Yeah, uh, look at the same story. Which ones? I am, right? Angela and Ursula. Who are they? Well, and uh, Little Egypt. An Angelina was Little Egypt. And who's the other one? Uh, I can't remember. Oh, whatever, the, whatever. The other character's name. Alrighty. Oh, and then all the bachelorettes had to uh, play wrestling characters. So we had. The Cougar. Oh, shit. Kenny King's on this. No, this is a new season. Oh, this is an older... Sex kid. No, no. They brought Kenny King back for this episode. No, he was brought back. Yeah. <laughs> Gold Digger, Southern Belle, Bridezilla, and there's Kenny King. Oh, my God. I think he's wearing the ROH TV title, too. 
which he has since lost. Oh, we should, we should move on. No, I think I think we should do a whole breakdown of this. All right, Way found the article. So anyway, just cut all this sorry, uh, out I'm about sorry. my Yahoo conspiracy. Uh, People, you'll, you'll see, I guarantee you, you'll still get like corrections in your Twitter inbox. Oh tomorrow. no, I realized this entire show, however long it's been, two hours, I'm going to get all these tweets about Yahoo Entertainment now. So that's going to be the entire takeaway of this show. Gallows and Anderson are out, followed by Finn Balor. And we got an insert promo from Finn, which might be the first time a main event match has had the insert promo treatment. And he brought up the last time he faced Seth Rollins. That wasn't a good night. He said accidents happen. And he's going to show Seth that tonight he's still the better man. And with the good brothers at his side, it is too sweet. He's been adopting his big grin now as part of his on-screen character he like i don't know if you've noticed sean but like he like anytime he poses for like a photo like an instagram photo he does like a big oh yeah smile but now he's been doing it on air and you know i think it's kind of cool to signify a bit of a personality change with this uh club thing uh it also maybe separates him from like the like his his real self is fun and 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 he loves lego and he loves rap well, when he's the demon, he doesn't smile. Match begins. Booker and Graves start arguing at the beginning here. They went through a commercial break. Rollins blocked a sling blade to hit his own in the Battle of the Sling Blades. Uh, Rollins landed an insiguri, and this was after uh, injuring his leg. So he's selling his, his knee. And way, whenever you blow your knee out, you know what you think? Phoenix splash time as he hopped on one leg to the top turnbuckle and went for a Phoenix splash, landing on his feet, and his knee gave out. This allowed Balor to hit a running drop kick as Rollins is still holding his knee. Rollins then scaled to the top to avoid the coup de gras. The knee is all rehabbed now as he hits a superplex into a falcon arrow as he squats. And then, realizing this, this miraculous ACL that he is uh, holding together climbs to the top for a frog splash and Balor gets his knees up goes for a cradle and the referee goes to count three and after his first count he adjusts himself and then counts two and this would be the big controversy at the end of the match that Balor could claim he won the match here which they showed clearly there was a three count with the referee adjusting himself do you think that was intentional I mean, it worked to their advantage if they want to do that, yeah. But they, There's been times in the past where clearly these have been mistakes that they have just turned into storyline. Mm-hmm. And I thought that this was just kind of uh, something they did on purpose, that it gives Finn an out here to continue this at some point. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it could have been a mistake, too, by the referee, and they just called attention to it after the match because they got the replay up. But... um Mm. Yeah, whichever. It's something you can play off. So the bar comes down to the ring and they start fighting with Anderson and Gallows. Jordan, just who has been ringside, flees out of there. Balor hits a Topekon hero to all four men, including his teammates. And then Balor hits an Inziguri from the apron, uh, then misses with the coup de grace. Jordan then trips Balor from behind and Rollins lands the curb stomp, nails Balor with it, and he pins Finn. That was the biggest surprise of the night. Yeah, and hey, all credit to Finn Balor, who sold this as though 
he had been hit in the head with a shovel. I love the curb stomp. I mean, perhaps he begged for it because, I mean, maybe that, what do they call it? The revolution knee <laughs> just wasn't cutting it. But I'm so glad to see the curb stomp back. I hope it's part of his permanent repertoire. Ever since he lost it, I mean, he the guy's kind of been floundering for a finisher. You know, he had the pedigree for a while, and that, ah, it's just kind of weird. Um, and that revolution knee just, I don't know, just never worked. But the curb stomp is just, like, nice and clean. You can hit it from anywhere. I I hope that, that it's back. So that was it. And then we had this long wait in the ring where Anderson and Gallows are helping up Balor, who is just selling like he's been concussed here. And he can't stand on his own and did this way better than Nia did, not mm-hmm. being able to put any weight on his legs. And he's held up. And that's how the match, uh, the show ends. And they did show the replay of Rollins... Uh, being pinned, uh, and a three count being made. So it, it felt like they were trying to, uh, you know, milk a a standing ovation for the loser here in Finn Balor. Um, I don't know didn't, if didn't I, really come. Yeah, I don't know if the match reached that level, and uh, for them to do it, it just it felt a little awkward because they were like, it felt like they were waiting and waiting and waiting for it. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a good match. I thought it was a really good match. I think these yeah. two, like, what I love about these two is, like, they these two feel like mirror images of each other. And it's so much fun to watch them go counter for counter, working at the pace that they work. Uh, I hope they have, like, a longer series in the future. But, yeah, like, it felt like they were trying to save face with Finn, Finn at the end here. So, you know, clearly they they do have more lined up for him. And with the tag teams, I mean, now it looks like it, it'll be a four-way with... Like, the bar now seemed to have issues with Titus Worldwide, the club, and Jordan and Rollins. Yeah, and as well, part of the post-match was uh, Jordan celebrating, or Rollins celebrating with Jordan. And I guess the idea is, did Rollins see Jordan trip Finn to lead to the finish? And he's just uh, realizing he was able to take a shortcut or not. But it definitely showed Jordan and Rollins together at the end of this. Why would Seth, like, Seth, Seth should be happy about that, right? Well, he wants to win honorably. I guess so. That's, character- been the whole, that's been the whole dynamic of these two is that Seth doesn't want Jason Jordan taking all these shortcuts. He represents him and he wants to be uh, honorable. It's- and here was a case where he benefited from cheating and he got the win. It's very true. That's that makes a lot of sense. But I mean, I feel like Seth Rollins, like not that long ago, was the guy who was doing the cheating. And I, I feel like as much as he's changed in character, I feel like he'd still be like, "Yeah, cool. That was a smart move." But anyway, I I loved all the Braun Strowman stuff on this show, uh, even though it ultimately had no real lasting ramifications. I thought it was just eh, fun, stupid entertainment. Thought the main event was good. I thought Asuka and I was decent, but a little, a little perplexing why they do it now. Everything else on the show, kind of skippable. All right. Well, let's go to uh, – we won't do all of this feedback. I don't even want to look at how long this show has gone. Uh, but on a scale of 0 to 10, uh, the people in the forum, forum.postwrestling.com, gave this a 6.45. Higher than past two weeks? Well, let's start off with uh, Tyler from Orlando. Better show than I expected tonight. Thought 
thought it would kind of be a nothing show with the anniversary show next week, but I was surprised by the amount of backstage segments with Braun, and as always, I found him very entertaining. It was funny to see Kevin Dunn appear on TV as well. Sad to see Joe was no longer on the promotional picture for the men's rumble. Okay, that's something I didn't see, but I don't think anyone was necessarily expecting him in the rumble. Hoping he can get cleared just in time to be in the match. Lastly, I nearly jumped off my couch to see the return of the curb stomp. It shocked me that it's being allowed again, but then again, it seemed like Vince's problem was mainly the name of it. Uh, the It wasn't so much the name of it, it was just the image of it. Yeah. With the guy's head being drilled into the, the mat. Well, because it, the idea that kids would... Mimic it. It was that, and it was combined. I believe the what offset it too was the fact that you remember Rollins wins with the curb stomp at WrestleMania, and then they do the deal where the champion goes on. Um, where is it on Good Morning America the next morning? And it was the idea of do we want a clip of this airing on such a prestigious mainstream outlet? And right from that moment, the curb stomp was outlawed. Yeah, wow. Um, I mean, I can understand their perspective. Um, it's just, it's a wrestling move, though. And I think it's, it's I don't know. I think people, eh, I think we think too seriously about certain things like that. But who knows? People are touchy. People are touchy about, about a lot of things. All right, we got to MJ from Europe. Okay, uh, he says, I laughed a few times thanks to Braun Strowman, who has some of the best comedic timing. He's somehow the perfect amount of campy while being a believable monster. Also, I always wish they went into a Balor Rollins program playing off of the real-life injury situation that took place between the two and we saw that we saw on that documentary they did for the network. They seem to have a lot of in-ring chemistry. The real standout moment for me was Jericho being announced for Raw 25. I bought tickets after the first round of announced appearances, and now the show seems to be entering the anything-can-happen territory. Let me know if you want a live report. Well, of course we want one. Yes, um, we'll have the feedback thread open and would love to hear anyone that is live there, whether they be hmm. in the Barclays Center or the Manhattan Center, which to me, that would be where I would want to be to watch the show rather than just a standard arena. Mm -hmm. um, we go next here to Evil of, I guess, one half of the IWGP Tag Champions. Maybe I'm still thinking about the awesome show that was Wrestle Kingdom, but I thought this episode was weak in building programs for me to give a shit about. Many of the promos tonight were so cringy. And what was with the liner at the with the with that linger at the end of the show? I don't mm. even know what he's trying he's to say there. Talking about like the camera staying on Finn for so long. Oh. Um, I like what's happening with Jason Jordan and Seth Rollins, but <laughs> everything else is a punch <laughs> to my dick. We go to Craig, who says, Braun's rampage was great. In a just world, he'd be winning the title at the Rumble. He's clearly the most overface on the roster. I love seeing the Revival get some mic time and trying to differ differentiate themselves from the rest of the roster. I really hope it's not just leading to a beatdown by old stars next week, a la The Ascension. <laughs> well, that was the comparison we made. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Saeed from Vancouver. Raw was a good show and went by quicker than usual. Braun's destruction is always entertaining to watch. I felt bad, however, for the security being tossed around like ragdolls. The cake bit was really funny. Oscar versus Nia was an okay match, but I found Oscar versus Alexa more entertaining. I definitely disagree there. Thought the main event was fun and the crowd was into it. Also good to see Seth use the curb stomp again. What was up with the referee counting three and a half? Seven out of ten show. Anthony from Philadelphia, the Asuka-Nia Jax match interest me, interested me the most tonight, 
but because of the future. It was much better than I anticipated, as I am not fond of Naya. However, as was the case against Alexa a few weeks ago, it still didn't sound like the crowd was into Asuka nor this match much at all until the countout. I even sa- it even sounded like there was more support for Naya at times, and they continued building her turning face with that end. Excuse me, which with that ending, which leads to my question: Sans Rousey debuting, the consensus has been Asuka will win the Rumble. Assuming there is no Rousey, do you think Asuka is winning the Rumble? More importantly, would you have her win the Rumble if you believe Asuka is not connecting as well as you thought she would? I don't think she's had. Um... No, I, I don't think she's had really too many hiccups on the main roster. Um, it's just not at the level that you, you know, that it was at at NXT. I, I mean, I agree that I think they have a long ways to go. I, I feel like they need to do a lot more character development via video packages, via things that, uh, you know, just beyond her, ta- uh, I guess, having to cut promos or just relying on her in-ring. Um, I would still have her win. I would too. Uh, and I think putting Rousey in the Rumble would be very silly at this point. I, I I would not even do that if it was an option, to be honest. Um, and I, w- I would lean with Asuka winning. I think a whole part of her appeal is this undefeated streak. And granted, it's not like your traditional loss. But if she's not winning, why is she in the Rumble? That would be my argument. Uh, we go to myself, actually. Uh, let's skip down here to Jalen. Raw was a weird show. Everything Braun did was awesome, and he actually managed to pull off the comedy too. Main event was good. I appreciated both men selling a body part and having an impact how they worked and played into the finish. However, I wish Seth would stop going for that superplex into a falcon arrow when he's selling the knee. Seems like the last move I would be trying to do with a hurting a hurting knee. Seeing the curb stomp was a great surprise and made complete sense with Finn selling his neck. It also hints at Seth resorting back to his heelish and opportunistic side, which is welcome since his babyface run has turned into something to not care about. Five curb stomps out of ten. Finally, we got a Charbel from Victoriaville who wants to know, I absolutely love Finn Balor, but what could they do to the Balor Club to make them more relevant? What you what used to make them popular in Japan? I mean, they were... To me, it was a group largely built around Balor and being able to navigate out of the junior heavyweight division into the heavyweight division. And he was a, he was a credible heavyweight at that, at that juncture. So I think you're going to see Balor in kind of a, I don't know if he necessarily, I think he's in a better position now if they want to revisit him being in that universal title picture scene in 2018. And I, I think it helps having Gallows and Anderson just to play off of. I think it's been extremely helpful for Balor just in these last couple of weeks. He's um, been getting more TV time. That helps. Um, but, I mean, I feel like they just they need to make them dominant. And I feel like giving them a more heel edge would really help too. I think... I mean, the smiling thing is interesting, but I, I kind of want to see Finn almost as like more of a cocky heel like more of a cocky smile and and having gallows and anderson just kind of do his bidding for i mean not not to seem weak but like just to feel a bit edgier you know and and overall i think more dominance i think helps any team i think it's also tough though because you do need some baby faces here and it's you know they're teasing now seth turning back heel jordan's clearly going in that direction seth's not turning heel you didn't take that at the end as uh not at all. Um what with the with him 
leaving with Jordan? Yeah. I've just thought that was Seth being kind of, uh, I don't know, ambivalent towards what what happened. Well, I don't know if you necessarily are going to turn Finn at this point. I think it's tough because the the demon thing, I think that it's very difficult if you go the heel route with this guy to be able to maintain that as well. Yeah, fucking Enzo, like, who's supposed to be the biggest heel cutting cutting these amazing babyface lines. Okay, think, well, I mean, it's not good, but I'm just saying, like, what's going to get the guy over the most, you know? Well, we shall see. We will see where they go with uh, with the Balor Club. I don't think he's in a bad position at all right now. I, th- I think that all of them are, I mean, Anderson and Gallows can be fleshed out a bit more, but I think that this has been a large step forward for all three over the past month. I agree. That is going to bring this show to a close. It's been a lengthy one. Uh, Thank you to all who have tuned in. Uh, We will be back late Tuesday night. We're going to chat about SmackDown Live and episode one of the Mixed Match Challenge. I think that Shinsuke Nakamura and Natalia are really driving interest in this. For me, yeah. I just want to see, I I want to see Nakamura come out in that jacket. That's all. Then I can tune out. Um, We'll be watching. Taking on. They're going to be taking on, by the way, Finn Balor and the shooter, Sasha Banks, with her bank statement. Yeah. Two shooters. It's the real bullet club. Yeah. The shooter Banks against the sharpshooter. Yes. Yes. Well, I look forward to that. I look forward to talking to you again, John. Uh, Not at the post office. Or, yeah, the virtual post office. How about that? virtual post office uh if you just can't live without us folks you can go to postwrestling.com we have lots of great content up there including a live report from mark ramundi of mmafighting.com who uh, attended the pwg mystery vortex event on friday night that is up on the main site uh as well a piece i just wrote about bill goldberg and his career and lots of great shows to check out and go join the rumble pool it's the button right at the top of the page that way had to fly to Sweden to develop. And then we had to raise millions to have installed, but there's that button. It was worth every ounce of blood and sweat way. Or if you're into typing postwrestling.com slash rumble. And that's it. I don't think I have any words left in me. Good night, everybody. And way the final word. Uh, do you have to let it linger? Goodbye. You know that that woman died, right? Oh, is it, was that the the cranberries? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I didn't understand your tie into it. Never mind. I know that's the name of one of the songs, right? Yes. All right. Okay. No, this was this is not going in. <laughs> okay. Cool. Uh yeah, anything else? Dolores O'Reardon. Yeah. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs>